It is so awesome to be with you here today at church and just to be together as a family. I love when we are able to do a dedication of children. I just think it is something that is so inspiring just to see the future, the, what God wants to do, the promise that he has over, uh, over the families here. And again, it touches me because I know that I came from, as we're doing a series here called Found Family, just uh, I came from a kind of a crazy family background. And so it's just a reminder to me of just what God does and how as a church we're called to be family. Amen? It's such a beautiful thing. And I want to just make a, a, a little shout out here to just a, a welcome. And I know we probably wouldn't expect this, but I'm just so glad that Kent Kirby is here with us today. We've been praying for Kent for so long. For some of you that are new here, Kent is one of our sound guys. And boy, about to almost four or five months ago, it was pretty serious, went into a coma. We weren't sure what was going to happen, but God spared your life, Kent, because he has good things in store for you. You're a blessing. It's so good to have him here today. Well, I'm excited uh, today because at the end of my message, we're actually going to have some small group time as part of this service. So we're asking you, again, we're not going to force anybody, but we're going to strongly encourage you, if you will stick around, that you are going to have some time to get together in some groups, discuss a few things about what I shared, but mostly just to get to know people because we, again, believe that we are part of the family of God. And the title of my message today as we conclude this series is called Better Together. I want you to know that we are, each one of us, better together. We're better when we walk together with other people. And I want to start off by sharing this story like most kids Visiting my grandparents was one of my favorite things to do. I love going to my grandma and grandpa's house. And one of the things that they had was that they had a large garden. My dad's parents had a large garden as part of their home. Large in that it was almost two acres. So not big enough to be a farm, but big enough that it required serious work. And so when I would visit them at times that in the summer or spring or even the fall, I learned how to plant potatoes. I learned how to grow corn, pick green beans, and raise the juiciest tomatoes. Come on, they were so good. And we did everything there from hauling manure, yeah, weeding the flower beds, to picking peaches, apples, pears, and plums. It was just great fun. But here are some observations that I had from my time kind of being around Farming, that was my closest thing I had to farming, was that plants did not, that did not have a strong root system or grew away from the other plants rarely survived. And if they did, they were typically small, unhealthy, and unfruitful. But on the other side of this, I also saw some plants that grew out of control. Those of you that maybe have grown these like raspberry bushes, squash and cucumbers, if you don't take care of those things, they will dominate your garden. And they would spread quickly. And they would choke out not only the other plants, but would also limit their own health and fruitfulness. However, those plants that were connected to one another in a healthy symbiotic relationship not only thrived, but they produced the best fruit. Today, I want to talk about how building healthy connections, having the right connections, lead to a full and fruitful life. I believe this. Who doesn't want to be more fruitful in your life? 
I think we all want our lives to mean something, for us to experience the good things in life, for our lives to be fruitful. You see, God did not design you and I merely just to survive in life, but he's called us to thrive. You see, my heart for each person that is here today that can hear my voice, both those who are in this auditorium as well as those who are online, is that God wants you to thrive in your life. And in John 15, 13, Jesus made this statement. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Kind of an interesting ending to that whole scripture. You see, Jesus was a master at using stories and illustrations to teach important principles. And in John 15, Jesus uses the illustration of the grapevine, a fruitful grapevine to teach the importance of connection. Now, because he lived in an agrarian or farming culture, the illustration he used would have been understood by everyone. And here's what he said. He said, you did not choose to connect with me. I chose to connect with you like a vine and fruitful branches. And through this connection is what he's saying, my desire is that you would produce lasting fruit or fruit that remains. Now we have to understand this. Who here knows that lasting fruit in the natural is not really possible? You get fruit, if you leave it in your fridge for too long, you leave it in a place, who here knows that it doesn't stay nice forever. It spoils, it goes bad. But Jesus was trying to show them something. He's like, look, what you do in the natural, what I'm trying to teach you as you stay connected to me, as you stay connected to one another, look, you can produce fruit that never goes bad. It's always in season and it lasts. So how do we produce a thriving, fruitful life? Let's look at what Jesus said a little bit earlier in John 15, starting in verse 4. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. There it is again. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and wither. So such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. And if any of you have worked on a farm or you know that when you get dead trees, dead branches, dead things, you pile it all up and they usually have their burning pile or maybe their compost pile, but it goes to a place where it decomposes. Anyways, he says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Here we see that again. And it says, when you produce much fruit, listen to this, you are my true disciples. This brings great joy to my fathers. What's he saying here? He says, look, if you, you are my disciples if you produce much fruit. Not a little bit, not a small portion, but what? How much does he say? Much fruit. Say it again with me. Much fruit. God wants us to produce much fruit in our life. When I was in Bible college, also known as bridal college, in fact, the, 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 the saying was a ring by spring or your money back. <laughs> a friend invited me to go home with him for a few days 
to watch his high school basketball team compete for the Washington State Championship in the Spokane Arena. And when we arrived at the arena, the place was in complete pandemonium. I mean, high school and college students were everywhere. People were yelling, screaming, the band was playing, the games were going on, and there was, but there was activity everywhere in this arena. It was crazy. And because the place was packed, but because of his connections, he had seats with his friends right next to the court. But to get through, we had to go through the mass of humanity. And so before we headed into the mob, he yelled through the noise, stick with me. Whatever you do, stick with me. And I'm like, what? Stick with me. As I read John 15, I can hear Jesus saying to all of us, if you want to be fruitful, stick with me. You got it? Jesus saying, stick with him. Do not allow anything to disconnect you or pull you away from me. I am the vine You are the branches. You see, for a branch to live and produce fruit, it must be connected to the vine, right? It's it's logical. So fruitfulness in our lives, where does it begin? Where does it start? Well, it starts by being connected with Jesus. There's no other way. You can chase after so many different things in this life. You can chase after money, fame, security, whatever it is. Those things, I'm going to tell you, will not produce fruit that remains. You could have moments of success, but I know from my own life, from my own experiences, those things lead to emptiness. So the way that we remain fruitful and we are fruitful is by staying connected with Jesus. He is the source. He is the foundation to healthy relationship. And here's what I know. As we connect to divine Jesus, we grow. And as we grow, we naturally begin to stretch out producing and connecting with other branches, which I call people. Next to you are all sorts of branches here today. You see, healthy grapevines spread out and occupy new territory. Unless the farmer prunes them, which sometimes he does. They grow this way. They grow that way. They end up touching everything. I believe this, that they touch the world around them. You see, the grapevine represents, as an illustration of how we grow in Jesus, that when we grow, we produce other branches or connections with other people. You see, we've been designed to, first of all, be connected to Jesus, but second of all, to be connected with each other so that we will produce much fruit or his disciples. Jesus wants more disciples, people who are like him. But the challenge is that we live in a world of misguided and broken relationships. Would you agree with that? We see a lot of heartache in broken relationships. Now, why is that? Well, there's some attitudes or views that we tend to sometimes have of our relationships. In North America, we value independence or independent thinking. You know what? If you're truly a a, a strong man, you're your own person. You know, I'm my own man. I don't need other people to tell me what to do or how to do things. And so we we are taught to look at ourselves and, and our feelings for what we need. You know, if you have this idea, it's like people are okay, but don't get too deep or mushy because that is weird and uncomfortable. You see, independent people typically 
don't see the need for consistent relationship with, outside, with those outside of their family circle. And this produces sometimes a belief that their relationship with God is just a personal decision and not connected with other people. That we can somehow serve God, just, I just need me and my, and what is God speaking to me? And, 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 it, and so therefore the church becomes, as a family, becomes arbitrary. We take it or leave it. If it, if it meets my need or if it has something that I can do, that's great, but it, it's not a necessary commitment in my life. You do you and I will do me. That's kind of the attitude. But can I tell you something? That's not the Bible. Because it does not allow for much fruit in our lives. We need one another. We need people. But another relationship that we have to look at is, is how, it, it, this is where it can go the other direction. People who have a dependency on other people. You probably heard the word codependency. Unhealthy leaning on people to meet emotional, spiritual, and sometimes physical needs. You see, we have to be careful that not only like those plants that I talked about, we can't go away from the vine, we can't get separated from the rest, or we will not produce fruit, but we also can't get to where we are suffocating in our relationships. We look for people to be the source of our happiness, health, and acceptance. See, it doesn't, it's not healthy for us, and it can produce burnout because the relationship drains all energy because there's no reciprocal giving. Can I tell you this today? No person in the world's going to meet your needs. There's not a human being that's going to meet your needs. For those of you that are married, can I tell you this? Your husband or your wife will never meet all of your needs. You probably already know that. For those of you that are thinking about getting married, you are not going to find a person that's going to meet all of your needs. The only person, the only one who will meet all of your needs, his name is Jesus. And if you build your life on Jesus, then you will be able to have healthy relationships with the rest of the people that you love. Am I telling the truth here today? I think I am. You see, when we walk with health, in healthy relationships with each other, it produces great fruitfulness. And we have to understand this, that the, 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 what God has called us to is actually not to be independent or to de be dependent, but to be interdependent. And what that means, it's a healthy relationship to, to, between people where there's giving and receiving. We're here for each other. There's a, mix, there's a balance to mix between freedom to live and the accountability to grow in the relationship. It's an understanding that what I do not only impacts my life. Come on, there's a great lie in the world right now that you, whatever you do, it doesn't matter because it only impacts you. That is a lie. Everything we do impacts other people. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one is blessed, we're all blessed. I'm not an island to myself, but I'm connected to others through mutual commitment. That's what interdependency is. And it's not how people can serve me, but how we can serve each other. See, that's the idea that God has for us. Uh, one of the college teams that I follow for basketball, they're saying is this, sometimes you, sometimes me, but always us. 
Sometimes you, sometimes you do the thing that's needed. Sometimes it's somebody else. Somebody else makes the, the good play. Somebody else does the right thing. But it's always us together. You see, when we walk in healthy relationships with each other, it produces great fruitfulness. Because the Bible doesn't look at us just as individuals, but in, as people and how we relate to other people. Our connection starts with Jesus, but it's manifested in relationships that we have with one another. Not only do we have the example of the grapevine in the Bible, but Paul then goes on to write our connection with each other through a picture of the human body. And here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, just, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body, because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God, listen to this, God has put each part just where he wants it. See, I want to say this today. There isn't any person, any one of you that's here today, that isn't valuable. Every one of you has a part and a place and a role to play in the family of God. Every one of you is needed and necessary, and not just for your own growth and maturity, but to help others grow and mature. That's why we're called to be family. That's why God looks at us through community. When you read the Bible, he's not addressing the, the book of the Bible. You know, the gospels are people, but what about, what, what is Paul? Who does he write to? Churches. Ephesians, Ephesus, and Corinth. What? That's a people. It's how did they, were they relating to each other? I, I want to share this just about how important each person is. Even though I, I worked in an auto parts store before I became a pastor for almost 10 years. And I would not consider myself a mechanic by any stretch of the imagination. I know we have some mechanics here. Who knows that when you're short on money and long on ambition, you can get yourself into all sorts of new predicaments. Like the time I decided to change the spark plugs on my 1989 Ford Taurus. Now, not to bore you with the little details, I didn't initially realize that in order to change the spark plugs, I would need to remove the top part of the engine. And I remember my wife looking out in the garage. I'd been at this for about a day, and she looks out and she sees the whole garage is covered with parts. And it was at that moment myself, as I was sitting there, I'm like, what have I done? I remembered the sign at my mechanic sh shop that stated, the labor rate was $80 an hour. You got to go back a few years. Unless you try to fix it yourself first, then it was $120 an hour. <laughs> Parts are everywhere. And I'll never forget, a couple days later, when the parts have been reassembled, and I turned the key, in the, I put the key in the ignition and I turned it 
and the car started. There were tears of joy. I was like, this is a miracle, God. I, I, I did this. And I think I swore to my wife, don't ever let me do that again. Because here's the reality. If even one part was out of place or wasn't put in the right tightness or whatever, the part, car wouldn't run properly or even at all. And I believe this, that the Bible is saying to us, for our bodies to function properly, each part must work together with the other parts. That's what the word of God says. The heart pushes the blood into the body while the lungs nourish the blood, which brings life to all the other organs and tissues. And each part is dependent on the other parts to do their job so the rest of the body can grow and function properly. Now, who here knows that the body can survive without some of its parts? However, it thrives when every part works together. I say this, nothing can function alone. An eye by itself is not any good. It's just an eye. And just like a branch cannot live long without being connected to the vine, the, the different parts of the body cannot survive without being connected to the rest of the body. So what does that mean to us? The church is made up of many parts which we call people. And as each person, person does their part in connection with the other people, the church begins to thrive as people grow in love, in faith, in discovering their purposes and functions in God together. And other people, because of this, then begin to be drawn into the family, fulfilling the great commission by making disciples or followers of Jesus together. We need each other. We're better together. See, God's designed us in such a way that we would need the strengths of other people in our lives, that we would need them to encourage us and strengthen us and cheer us on. You see, that's why we're called to be family, so that everyone can thrive. See, family is so important. What does family provide? It provides protection. There's safety in numbers. When we connect with people, it covers our weakness. Is there anybody here that doesn't have any weaknesses? Would you raise your hand? Oh, I'm putting my hand down, sorry. <laughs> Family also provides provision. Connection brings provision. Life comes from connection. As we come together, we are supplied with the things that we need from being connected to each other. But we also find purpose. We learn who we are and what we can do. And we get to grow in it. We get to fail forward is what I call it. You know, as you work with other people and you're learning things and you're developing, just like our children, as they're developing, they're not always getting it right the first time. But with the family, you have the place and the protection and the safety to be able to grow and develop. See, we're better together. This is all God's design. And I believe this was a great need for deeper and growing relationships. And I've been rediscovering how important my groups of people, small groups of people are in my life for the flesh flow of life from one of us to another. And so here's what we're going to do here in just a few moments. We're going to take some time to connect with other people. And maybe you weren't prepared for this. I want to encourage you, if you could just take a big step of courage today. For some of you, just say, I'm going to stick around. I'm going to see what this is like. I'm going to try this. We're going we're to break into 
different groups. Pastor Peter is going to come up here in just a moment and explain to you how that's going to work. But here's what I understand, that even though the cells are a small part of the body, they are the keys to life, function, and provision. And I believe God wants to connect you with some other people today. So here's what I want to do before we start. If you're here today, I want you just to bow your head just for a moment. If you're like me, you would say, you know what, there's places in my life where maybe I haven't been as connected as I could be or I should be, and I I realize I need greater connection. Would you raise your hand today? I just want to pray because God says this. This was the key scripture at the start of our series, that God brings the lonely into family. So Father, we pray today that you would just bridge us together. You'd bring us together. You'd bind us together. Lord, I pray for those that are feeling some disconnection in their life, in their world. Lord, that today they're going to begin to, Lord, just see some formation, some seeds begin to germinate, just maybe some connection they haven't had before. Lord, I pray today, God, that each person would leave here feeling like they're a part of something greater than themselves. It's called the family of God. It's the family of God.